Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That notion is not just about four walls that happen to be in a certain neighborhood. It's about an entire experience that someone goes through living somewhere. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, I check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and today we've got a wonderful guest with us and we're going to talk about something that isn't typically discussed within the real estate investing circles. And um, we're going to talk to somebody who is an expert in this area and it is an area called user experience design. And who we have with us today is quite an accomplished entrepreneur who is venturing into the real estate world with his next startup. 
Brad is uh, the CEO of Common, and Common is his new company, which is dedicated to making housing better by providing flexible community-based or community-minded shared residences. And he'll he'll get into a little bit more of that in detail. Before, well, first off, Brad, how you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Joe. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, my pleasure, my friend. And I was just getting so excited about talking about your background, how accomplished you are. I, I forgot to even say hi. So hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Brad is the co-founder of General Assembly, which is a global educational institution that gives and empowers individuals to find work where they love. And and he'll basically say that in plain English uh, whenever he talks about his background a little bit. And he is also just well accomplished within the um, the entrepreneurial world. He was named Vanity Fair's The Next Establishment. I don't even know what that means, but it I'm, sounds I'm pretty sure cool. I'm not sure either, but yeah. it sounds cool. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds cool. Inc. Magazine, 30 Under 30, and Business Insiders, Silicon Alley 100. So he is he's an expert at startups. He's an expert at user experience. And we're going to have a treat today because he's basically going to talk to us about how he applies his user experience that he's applied in other successful startups, how he's going to apply it with his new real estate venture. And it's going to be really interesting because I I was fortunate enough to talk to him before about this, and I know he's got a lot of great information for us. So with that being said, Brad, can you, in one or two sentences, can you tell the best ever listeners at the end of our conversation... What are they going to know that can help them move their business forward? Sure. Thank you, Joe. So really what I'm going to get across today is how the listener can use a few simple principles of product management and user experience design, topics that are typically discussed in the context of building websites and building physical products to real estate and how specifically through some projects that I'm working on, we are have using those methodologies and hopefully we'll create a better experience for our customers and uh, you know a better overall flow. That's awesome. So let's talk about, since I mentioned General Assembly, let's give a little bit of context for the best ever listeners. Can you talk a little bit about General Assembly? Then we're going to focus on Common. Sure. So I started General Assembly a few years ago or five years ago with a few friends. And we really started on a very simple problem, which is that there are a lot of skills that are highly in demand in the workforce. Things like web development, digital marketing, and product management, and I would add user experience design to that list as well, where there are a huge number of open roles that require these skills in the digital world. And one of the things that you don't see is a lot of traditional colleges and universities teaching those skills. So one of the things that we were able to do is develop work with specific employers to develop immersive full-time three-month programs that taught those key skills. And we were fortunate that that business was quite successful, grew over the past five years to 14 cities where we have brick-and-mortar campuses, pretty much all of the major cities with large populations of creative young people including New York, San Francisco, Boston, D.C., L.A., Atlanta, Chicago, and a number of others. And 90% of our students get a job within 90 days. 
So that really became have the, the, the standard that we sought to uphold over our growth. And you know, the biggest challenge that we always faced, other than obviously developing the learning programs themselves, was finding housing for our students. It was an incredible challenge for you know, individuals who were often moving to one of these major cities to take a general assembly course. Many of them did not meet the criteria for getting their own lease. They didn't necessarily have 40x the rent and income. Many of them were young, so they didn't necessarily have a credit history. And most of them ended up finding very ad hoc housing, living in a basement somewhere in an outer borough with strangers that they met on the internet. And that was a real challenge for us, was to deal with students who were in in many cases, very informal, very illegal housing situations. So I started looking at this problem and looking at it from you know, my background and my perspective, which I ran product at General Assembly for a number of years, and trying to apply some of the same principles of user experience design and product management that we used at General Assembly to really address uh, what is fundamentally a real estate problem of finding housing that is flexible, relatively affordable, and a lot more community-minded and friendlier than uh, the options that existed out there today. So enter your new company, Common. Exactly. And so what's the, where are you at with Common and what exactly does the, the company, you know, what, what does it do? Yeah, totally. So there, there are really two problems that need to be addressed, and in some ways, two different businesses that need to be built to solve this problem. There's one business that is really about a financial engineering exercise, which is how do you get the operating margins that the operating company needs, the cap rate that our investors are looking for, so we partner with real estate investors and developers to buy whole vacant buildings in outer boroughs of major or outer boroughs of New York City or kind of emerging neighborhoods in major metro areas in the United States. And we work to convert those buildings into a use that is flexible, higher density, and really works with the roughly two dozen organizations that have named us their preferred housing provider, which includes a variety of non-traditional schools, membership organizations and groups that represent large audiences of people that are new to these cities. So kind of marrying those two groups is, you know, requires a lot of thought and a lot of vetting on the financial side to make sure that we're entering into arrangements where everybody wins. The real estate investors and developers win, we win, and most importantly, our members win. The other side of it is actually where I can use my background and my user experience design perspective to really come up with the product that works best for these individuals. And you know, when you say product in a real estate context, you're often talking about the sticks and bricks, the actual, you know, where are the kitchens, where are the bathrooms, where are the walls, what are the configurations? And that's certainly one element, but I would say it's not even the most important element to our users. So one of the first tactics that you learn in user experience design is how to run a user research process, which is how to identify and talk to 
real people who could be real customers of your product and really understand their wants, their needs, their willingness to pay, and then what influences that willingness to pay and kind of what are the triggers that you see in a product that gets them to say, hey, rather than spending 1500 a month on this apartment, I'm comfortable spending 2000 a month on this apartment, which in the generally low margin business of real estate could make or break a project. So much of that for us had to do with understanding not only what physical amenities were needed in these buildings, but also what programmatic amenities were needed. So for instance, we do a potluck dinner every Sunday night for all of our members. That was one of those things that really is about bringing people together and getting them to know each other and creating a really intentional sense of community that's not just, hey, there's a common space down the hall, but we're actively doing programming and promoting what we're doing to the people who are members of this space. And since we're working with a number of organizations that really supply us with members, everyone in the space kind of has a, a, a common experience or some sort of shared set of values that really help bring everyone together and create that common vibe. So our ability to use user research as a way to kind of figure out the programming for these spaces really helped get that second softer, fuzzier piece to really work. That's interesting. And, and so just, just to kind of summarize for my own purposes, Common, the name of your company, yes. basically buys a building and then retrofits it so that people who attend different schools can all live there and kind of cohabitate and, and have their own little micro community. Totally. That's generally accurate. I would say we don't always buy our own buildings. In some cases, increasingly, have as more people have noticed us and seen what we're doing, we're getting approached by developers and approached by people who already own buildings who are really interested in this kind of model operating in their buildings. And you know, what we're able to do is you know, not just be a master tenant, but also add a really strong property management layer and to deal with a lot of the you know, nonsense and work that, in many cases, property owners and investors want off of their plates. So we're looking at a number of arrangements right now that involve us or our investors not owning the building, but actually just taking out long-term leases as well. And obviously, that's a lot easier to get done. So we're executing on some of those as well. Got it. That makes sense. So for what you're doing now, I mean, and, and what you mentioned, I think was, was interesting where you said one of the first things you learn in user experience is how to or really identify or run the user research process and identify the wants, the needs, and the willingness to pay. And any type of real estate investment, you've got to know what are the wants and needs of your audience and how much are they willing to pay for it. I mean, that's that's basically the, <laughs> that is the core of business. And when you do this process, what are some tips? Because you mentioned that you all are doing a potluck dinner as an example of identifying essentially how to get people to pay for a premium and stay longer. So what are some tips that you can give the best ever listeners as far as whenever you're running that user research process? First off, how, how the heck do you do that? Is there? <laughs> let's start there. How do you do that? I've got a piece of paper. What do I do whenever I run a user research process? 
Sure. So there are a couple of outputs of the user research process, and it's perhaps easiest to start there and talk about, well, where are you going when you begin this process? And the two things you're really trying to get to are user personas, which is basically a profile of your typical user. And you know, many user experience designers love to do this not in terms of general demographic information, but it's in terms of a specific biography of a hypothetical person. So you have Jane, who is 28 years old. She graduated from Ohio State a few years ago, was working at a graphic design firm in Columbus for a number of years, and just got a job at a large ad agency in New York City. She doesn't know anyone in New York, and she doesn't really have the budget to afford to move into Manhattan. Her budget is somewhere in the range of $1,600 a month. So she was looking at Craigslist, but really doesn't love the idea of moving in with strangers. She wants something that's going to actually help her find friends as well, but she's terrified about the idea of moving into an outer borough further outside of Manhattan where she doesn't necessarily see that there's a great nightlife scene. She'll have to take the subway back every day, you know, 30 minutes to where she lives. And she's really struggling to figure out how she manages her budget concerns on one end and her, and her desire to meet people in the city on the other end. And you can actually go through a user story alongside that persona and say, what's her search process? Who does she reach out to? Does she have friends in the city that she already knows? And then what's her, you know, what type of sites does she visit online? What type of people does she talk to as she's going through the process of moving to New York City? And through that user story, and usually you come up with, say, a half dozen or so user personas that are associated with a number of user stories, you can start piecing together, and obviously you're doing this by having a lot of interviews with pr prospective users, and you can source interviewees from anywhere from your, your group of friends to Craigslist to posting ads online for people who are interested in uh, you know, getting paid $20 to sit down for a 45-minute interview. So there are a number of ways to get participants, but the goal is really about creating these user personas and user stories. And if you're doing them right, you can use the personas and the stories to identify touch points and have key preferences that the users have that will not only help you build the right product, but also reach the users in the places that they're already occupying. So going out to, you know, if, if they're, for instance, going onto Facebook and asking friends, maybe a social media campaign where you're really targeting people who are already living in New York or in the city of your choice might be a great, uh, a great idea. Or if they're, uh, if they're just going on to Craigslist, maybe you need to be posting on Craigslist to advertise in the right way, but then putting more emphasis on your vetting and interview process to make sure that you're weeding out people that you don't necessarily want as a part of the community. So there are a couple of different ways that people do user research, but really it comes down to getting a user persona and a number of user stories that you can use to inform your product development and marketing process. And you mentioned there were, I believe you mentioned two parts to it. One is user personas. Yes. And the other? Is user stories. 
user stories. Got it. Got it. So you you you've got to know their specific kind of biography of a hypothetical person, and then the story about how they're searching the search process and and who they're speaking to. Yeah, and you can drive user stories all the way to the onboarding process. So, okay, someone has already found Common, for instance. They're looking at our available units, and they're saying, you know, how do I fill out this application? How do I, you know, they probably have a number of questions around, you know, what comes furnished, what doesn't, what kind of, you know, we have a lot of amenities that, you know, tend to be kind of unique. So for instance, we clean all the spaces once a week. We provide a set of kind of shared and common kitchen supplies, kind of removing a lot of the problems that roommates generally have when they're living together. We try to take on a lot of those uh, and fix those ourselves. So they probably have a lot of questions around that process. So then it's about developing those stories of how they get informed about the product, how they realize it's unique, and then eventually how they come to a purchase decision. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned the cleaning the places once a week and giving shared kitchen supplies because that could be a way, I mean, that is a way to help with retention. Absolutely. Um, because as, as you said, I mean, you're thinking through the user experience and in this case, the resident's experience. And based on research, you're anticipating, and Tony Robbins loves, would love you for this because you're, there's power in anticipation, as he talks about. Mm-hmm. You're anticipating what might happen based on the interviews and people you're speaking to. So you're proactively coming up with different things that will keep them there longer. That is pretty pretty unique. I mean, I think any any best ever listener who's interested in student housing, this would be a kind of takeaways for you in particular. I mean, have a cleaning crew because let's face it, I mean, student housing is one of the most profitable areas of real estate. You've just got to, you've got to know how to play the game. And this could be a way to maximize the, maximize the amount of money you make with cleaning the places, share, having a shared kitchen supplies. Are there any other things you mentioned potluck dinner, any other specific tactics that you're looking at based on your, your research? Yeah, totally. So one thing that you know, people really love is is community and getting to know other individuals in these in these homes. So potluck dinners are a great way to do it. Another is a monthly meet and greet for new members. So people feel onboarded into the community and not that they're meeting people just in an ad hoc fashion. So the more we can control, the better. We also are really emphasizing this idea of not just onboarding into one of our buildings or into one of our units, but onboarding into the neighborhood as a whole. So we are located in emerging neighborhoods in Brooklyn specifically. And, you know, sometimes it's not obvious where to go to buy groceries or where the hip interesting bars are or, you know, which one of those restaurants down on Nostrand Avenue are actually really high quality. So we really help people understand the neighborhood and the environment around them rather than simply just get them into the building. Another thing we're doing, and there, there, there are a number of things that have kind of come out of user research. Another one was this idea of an object room, basically a small storage room in the building that contains a number of objects that people can check out that they occasionally need, like maybe one or two times a year, but you know don't necessarily want to have to go and buy for themselves. So an example might be extra dishware that is, you know, let's say someone wants to hold a, uh, you know, 10 person dinner party, they don't necessarily want to have to go out and buy 
the dishware to do that. So, uh, you know, some of that idea, some of those ideas, you know, come from, you know, brainstorming sessions. I have that one came from a brainstorming session I had with a mentor. And, uh, you know, then you actually validate it through user research and say, is this something we want to spend money on? And, you know, is, is it something that people are actually going to want or going to use? <laughs> I laugh because I don't think any anyone focused only on real estate will to come up with that idea. I, I think it's so it's so awesome the object room because I'm I'm just thinking what what a cool amenity and it's cheap. It's a one time cost and it's just kind of a kind of a, a shiny object for you to mention whenever you're speaking to people new uh, potential residents. And uh, it serves a, a real purpose, too. And I just think that's such a unique idea. Clearly, that came from a brainstorm from people who aren't always focused think, on real estate. But they, they, yeah, you've got kind of yeah. a holistic approach. Totally. And people think about who they're going to be and this aspirational vision of themselves when they move into this building. And yeah, of course, when they move into this building, they're going to, you know, check out the margarita maker and throw a 10 person dinner party. So a lot of it is really about appealing to this aspirational notion of self. And that notion is not just about four walls that happen to be in a certain neighborhood. It's about an entire experience that someone goes through living somewhere. So we try to address as many touch points on that, that experience as possible, as opposed to, you know, just think about it as a place to sleep at night. This has been amazing. Brad, what is the best ever place for the listeners to, to reach you and get in touch? Yeah, so we are at highcommon.com. That's H-I-C-O-M-M-O-N. And my Twitter handle is at B Hargraves. That's B-H-A-R-G-R-E-A-V-E-S. And uh, feel free to add that to the site or the description. I shall do that, my friend. I mean, so here, here are some of the take. I mean, I, I've been writing a lot of notes as you've been talking. Here are some takeaways that I got from this. I mean, there, it's, it's really interesting, kind of out of the box. It's a different way of thinking about real estate investing and tenant retention and um, building a community. And that's what I, I'm, I'm so pumped up about this. And that's, that's why I was excited about having you on the show. When we, I mean, because the number one expense, generally, the number one expense for real estate investors when we're talking about renting to people, I mean, retail and office is a bit different, but for student housing, for multifamily, for single family is turnover. Because you, you make money every month, but when they move out, if the place is trashed, then you've got the security deposit, but it's likely that you're going to be trying to get that money back over the course of months, if not a year or two. And so what you've talked about is creating an environment, creating a community so that the retention is increased because you're going in thinking about who's going to be living there. And I think anytime we purchase a property it would be smart of us to go through this process of 
that you call a, a user user research process where you and I know you didn't coin that term. No, I did not. But it's the first time I know it's <laughs> the first time first time I've heard the term. And where you use the you create the user personas, which is a profile of your typical user. And it's not necessarily all this demographic information. They make this much, they're this old. You want some of that, but you really want the story. You want to know who they are. And you want to speak to people who are going to be your target audience. And as you said, it could be as much as a half dozen different types of personas so that you know where they're coming from, you know their background, and then look at the user story. So what is their search process for finding you? Where are they? What sites do they visit? Who do they speak to? And then start targeting those areas, both from a recruitment standpoint, but then also now that you know who they are, you're able to cater certain amenities that don't necessarily have to be expensive to help with resident retention and build the community. Because I, I wholeheartedly believe you, boy, it's all about creating a community. As human beings, we want to be involved. I mean, that's why gangs are around. That's why people love their NFL teams. I mean, when you have that logo on your shirt, you feel like you're a part of something larger than yourself. And same goes with a living space. If, if you can create a sense of community around where you live, then you're going to have a very profitable, very profitable real estate venture. I forget what country it is. I think it's either Norway or Sweden, but I was watching a documentary called Happy. Uh, and if you've got Netflix, it's just happy. And then there's like a smiley face on the cover and they have, it's the happiest country in the world. And the reason why, one of the reasons why is because they've got these communities where the different families live together and they all share in responsibilities and it's just a, a nice way of bringing up your family. And so really it is about establishing the community. So specifically and tactically, some of the things that you're doing, one, potluck dinner, two, identifying why people move out in roommate situations. One is it's a dirty place, the roommate's a slob, so you've got someone coming in to clean the place and you're building that in with the rent, obviously. Uh, and then two is giving them shared kitchen supplies because, you know, there, there are certain common things that you might not have. And one of the previous guests on the show, he mentioned that human beings will pay a premium for all-inclusive services. And it's true. That's why all-inclusive resorts are around. And, and if you if you give somebody an easier, more relaxing experience, then you're able to charge a bit of a premium for it. And it's really interesting to hear you talk about how you how you approach this. And then also the other tactile things I'll mention, then we'll wrap up, is the, the monthly meet and greet for new members so that they don't just randomly come across each other. It's a structured environment where you're able to kind of introduce the new people to everybody else and then emphasizing the idea of onboarding within the neighborhood. I think any apartment community can do that where to buy groceries, where are the cool places to grab a drink, get dinner, etc. When you said Nostrand Avenue, by the way, I had a flashback because I lived in East Flatbush in 2005 <laughs> on Church in Nostrand. Yep, I know the area well. Yep. And lastly, the object room, which I just, I started laughing because I was like, this is so such an uh, interesting, practical idea for any, and I'm going back to apartment community, 
but anybody, it could even be a you know, single family home if, you, if you've got a couple of them. You can just tell them, hey, if you ever want these things, then let me know and I'd be happy to let you borrow them. So thank you so much for, for being on the show and sharing this and truly did deliver on uh, what we talked about at the beginning as far as using principles and product management and user experience design and applying them to real estate so that, and I'll add this part, so that we increase our resident retention, build a community around our properties, and ultimately make more money. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Joe. I've enjoyed being a part of it. All right. Thanks, Brad. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land, they're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, do you remember Danny Johnson from Lead Propeller? Uh, I interviewed him on episode 294. If you haven't listened to it or if you're you're uh, having a hard time recalling what that episode was, definitely go check it out because it was a great episode on house flipping and then kind of establishing yourself as a credible buyer whenever you're speaking to sellers and why that's important. And one of the things that Danny does is through his house flipping business, he's developed uh, a website uh, template or templates Uh, that he uses to generate thousands of leads for his own business. And he's like, this makes a lot of sense to share with others uh, and build another business around it. So he's got a company called Lead Propeller, L-E-A-D-P-R-O-P-E-L-L-E-R. And they're clean, simple-to-use modern websites uh, that he uses uh, for his company when he flips. And he's also got different templates to choose from. If you're not a flipper and perhaps you're a buy and hold or you rent out properties or you wholesale or even if you buy land, he's got templates for all of that. And he's giving uh, the best ever listeners a special discount, 75% off the first month when you enter in best ever, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R on his website whenever um, whenever you order. So uh, go ahead and check it out, Lead Propeller, L-E-A-D. P-R-O-P-E-L-L-E-R.com and put in best ever and grab your 75% off discount for the first month. 